It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's trending everywhere. It's the story that just knocked everything else down the pile across social media and on all the news wires since it broke this morning. Yes, you heard Mark on our own news there mentioning that Philip Schofield came out today. Joining me on the line is a very good, well, he's one half of a very good friends of ours on Late Lunch. They're a fantastic partnership. Funky Fashion Frolics. Mike McCarthy's on the line. Good afternoon, Mike. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I am very good, and I really appreciate you, Mike, taking my call today. Uh, no problem. I, I, I take it you're as surprised as anyone else with the news of Philip. I'm surprised, but I'm not sure that it is, you know, an issue that should be such a surprising event today. Though in Philip's case, I can understand that it is because I suppose 30 years ago in Ireland and the UK to come out was a very, very different thing. Mm-hmm. It might be just a little bit easier to come out today. But in Philip's case, I suppose he was part of the the media, the fabric, I suppose, of BBC Children's Television in the early 80s. And I suppose back then he would have tried very, very hard to suppress who he was. I can identify with that sort of feeling myself, uh, given my own experience. But his experience and mine would have been different, though there are parallels. But I can certainly understand the sort of social anxiety and the pressure that he must have felt to try and suppress who he actually was um, in order to fit in. Um, and to maintain his career. And I'm certain that over 27 years, he's had a very genuine, loving relationship with his wife, though that at times that he's really, really battled this sort of internal struggle to come to terms with mm. who he is. I think that's what what, what has been uh, the, the surprising factor that, you know, he has been married for 27 years. He has two grown-up yeah. daughters as well. And it's a long, long time. And why now? But look, come back to your uh, your own story, Mike. Tell us yeah. about you. you. You were in a relationship with a lady. I was. Well, I suppose I'd need to go back further. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I came from this beautiful village in Tipperary, a lovely Cap White. Um, I have a lot of very fond memories of my childhood, but I also have a lot of memories of being bullied, you know, physically bullied, being called a lot of names. Um, you know, I was in, involved in music and singing and I suppose that my mannerisms were effeminate, but to me, I was only a child. I didn't really understand how other people were experiencing me. And so I would be called a lot of names, you know, a gang waiting off school buses, maybe to hit me to the back of the head or spit in me or call me some of those, you know, derogatory terms that we now know are homophobic. Um, and of course, coming from Tipperary, a small village in the early 80s, you know, religion was a big thing in school and at home and going to mass every week and confession. And I suppose from the time I was 17 or 18, I knew I was different. I kind of had an understanding of what it was, the word gay, but I just couldn't come to terms with it. 
Um, if I flicked through a magazine or if I saw somebody on the street or if I looked at a movie star and if I thought they were attractive, I was so down on myself. I would pray to God for those feelings to go away and um, I would try really, really hard to even watch my mannerisms, how I sat, how I spoke. And you know me, Jerry. I'm a very expressive person. Yes. You probably find it hard to believe yeah. that, uh, that, that I used to do that. But I used to because it was very, very important for me to try and fit in. And if somebody tried to out me, I would immediately stop being their friend out of fear because I wouldn't know what to do. Um, and I think back those years, you know, because I'm 42, so I'm still going back 30 years. You know, when gay men spend years being exposed to sort of homophobic rhetoric, stereotypes and myths, there's a portion of yourself that will actually internalize that negativity. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, you actually um, believe that it's wrong to, to, to be yourself. Mm. You're worried about your friends. You're worried that your family will fall out with you. Um, and it sort of puts you into that, uh, you know, battle between trying to be something that you're not, but struggling against the, the grain of, of, the, of the core of who you are. You know what I mean? Yes, I understand. Difficult yeah, to express, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's kind of the crux of it. Mm. And, and, and can I say, just to lead on to, and which I mentioned, you, you, you went into a relationship uh, with a girl, and that yeah. must have been one of the most difficult things ever, or was it? Not really, because, Jerry, I had myself so sort of in the mindset that I'm not gay, um, I, I don't want to be gay. I, I want to be like everybody else. I didn't know any gay people. Again, I came from a very small rural background. I spent three years in London, and one year in Brussels and three years in London after my leaving cert, and I never went to a gay club. I couldn't even tell you where they were. You know, I stuck to my friends that I knew and the jobs that I was in. Um, and when I moved back from London, I moved to another beautiful village, Blessington, um, which uh, today I'm here almost 20 years. I consider it to be home. Um, and I met my son's mother, you know, uh, just a, a wonderful girl. And uh, it started off with a friendship and then it, it ended up being a relationship. But again, referencing what I said earlier about Philip and his wife, you know, it was a genuine relationship. Mm. Um, it's, you know, everything felt right. We got on very, very well. Um, and, you know, after a time, um, we ended up that we were having a baby. Do you know what I mean? So yes. um, I had nothing to compare it to. I had never been with a man. That's the simplest way of putting it. And I had, I had suppressed who I was for so long that, again, I had nothing to compare it to. And I, all I knew was that I was with this wonderful girl. How long were you with her in total, do you mind me asking? Yeah, so we were together for, I'd say, a year. Okay. And then uh, uh, she fell pregnant. Um, and we broke up during the pregnancy. So we weren't together when my son was born. So we maintained this wonderful, uh, you know, friendship. Um, she and her family knew that I would uh, completely do the right thing by her son and that I would stay in his life. Um, and after he was born, for the first couple of years, um our relationship just grew into this really, really strong friendship. And actually today it feels more like a brother and sister relationship because, you know, it's 17 years later. We've had wonderful family times, occasions, Christmases, going on holidays. Um, and the two families have really merged and we've become very, very close. So I'm incredibly lucky and incredibly blessed. Yes. But I can resonate with the feeling 
of how difficult it is when you're in that situation where you know deep down that you're gay, but you're so worried about how society will treat you. And again, with marriage equality and everything today, there's, there's great liberal policies out there. People are much more enlightened, travelled. Um, our membership of the EU has been wonderful in terms of movement of people. So we've been able to see other, other sides of life. Um, you know, but back then, you know, it was very monoculture still in Ireland. Yeah. Um, the church still had a very, very strong hold over people's, you know, beliefs and their ideologies. And um, I think it's only in the last even 15 years that we've sort of understood that, you know, our, our sons, our daughters, our friends, our sisters, our relatives, there are people we know within those circles who are gay. And we understand that it's normal and we understand that, you know, everybody has the right to be treated equal. But back then, that that was not the case. You know, I remember a gay storyline on, on Fair City even in the early 90s. And, um, you know, my father, who was a wonderful man, but obviously felt very, very uncomfortable and, and got up off the chair and, and changed the, the channel. That, that wouldn't have been to hurt me because obviously I wasn't out of the closet. I was only a teenager. Mm. But that, that really struck me. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's things like that. It's small things that you notice in other people, yes. how uncomfortable they are. And if you're already gay, then you're going to internalise that. Okay. And you're, and you're going to see that as something negative. Yes. To come back to the relationship, that drifted, you know, after your, your son was born. You mentioned the couple of years. Did you tell this woman that you were gay or how did you and when did you come out? Not straight away, Jerry. So when our son was two, I was starting to feel very, very down, very depressed. Um, you know, I was sort of coming to terms with the fact that I was gay myself. Um, but I still didn't know how I was going to express it and how I was going to tell anybody. And I also had the additional worry and feeling of anxiety of thinking, you know, I'm gay and I have a child and how do I tell my son's mother? And how do I tell her family? And how do I tell mine? I wasn't really worried about telling my friends, but my main priority was my son. So I decided out of complete respect for my son's mother that she was the first person that I was going to tell. Do you know, and even as I'm talking about it, I'm kind of feeling emotional because I can, I can, I can still remember the feelings and the sort of anxiety and the worry um, and the fear that I had, even though I had no need to feel that way, um, as it turned out. But I did have those feelings because, again, it's years and years of locked up, you know, suppression of, of your identity. And, and Mike, tell me this. When you told her, mm. that must have been such a, a difficult moment for you. Do you remember how she took it? Well, I did the whole, you know, there's something I have to tell you and all that kind of thing. And, um my son's mother has this, you know, wonderful sense of humour and she calls me Mickey, you know. And she just said, well, Mickey, I kind of knew you were, you know, kind of, you know, myself. So she said, I never said it to you because it was it was up to you to when you were ready. Um, and, you know, we talked about the fact that our relationship was very, very genuine. And um, But as the years went on, you know, she kind of knew that I was and... She said, you know, the most important thing is that we put our son first. And I was worried about what her parents might think. And she said, you know, Mammy and Daddy, they love you. And they know that you've been very good to David since he was born. And she said, they're not going to look at you any differently. Because I suppose I'd been worried, you know, would I not be able to see him anymore? Or, you know, 
silly things that really yes. were silly. But at the time, those were the sorts of thoughts that were running through my own mind, you know. So I remember um, my son's nanny um, just, just, just said, you know, on his mother's side, just um, bringing it up casually one day. We were in a play centre and son was really, really young. As I say, he was only two. And um, she said, so I believe you have something to tell me. So we had the conversation again. And she said to me, look, that could be my daughter telling me that she's a lesbian. And wouldn't it be worse if, if you and her were sick or had cancer? And, you know, she said, the, the, there's no issue at all. And we want you to be happy and we want you to be able to live your life. And I remember even saying to her, I was so relieved. Oh, well, I won't meet anyone until he's 18. And she was laughing and saying, don't be so ridiculous. You know, <laughs> the most important thing is to put the child first and um, whoever either of you meet, that they're decent people and all the rest of it, and that we make things work, and which is what we went on to do, you know. And as you know, Paul and I are, are together now six years. Yeah. Um, he and my son have a wonderful relationship. Um, we explained to my son when he was eight that I was gay in a, in a child-friendly way because at the time I was doing an RT2 show called Do the Right Thing um, with a bunch of volunteers, which was Baz and Lucy at the time in RT2. And just because in school, perhaps some of the parents might have mentioned that I was gay. And in case it was mentioned to my son, we decided that we, that we would kind of preempt anything. So we just explained to him in a very, very simple way that there's different religions and different faiths and that there's different cultures, different, uh, um, that, that some people are black, some people are white, you know, and that, that we explained what gay was. But he kind of already knew, because it's funny today, children are a little bit more enlightened. So he just, at the time, he was only eight, he said, is that when two boys or two girls are together? And that was it. There was nothing ever said after that. Perfect. A couple of years later, I was watching um, EastEnders, I remember, at the time, with his nanny. And just the three of us in the room, my son, his nanny, and myself, and there was a gay storyline on EastEnders with Christian and Saeed. And out of the blue, Jerry, he said, Daddy, you never said who you're gay with. Completely out of the blue. And I was, for just a split second, just a little bit taken aback. And um, at the time, I was seeing um, a Brazilian guy, and his nanny just said, well, you know he's his friend, and she mentioned his name, and she said, well, yeah, that's who, who your daddy is with, you know. And he just smiled, and he was as happy as Larry, and that was the end of it. Mm. The next time he kind of referenced anything about me being gay was around the time of the marriage equality referendum, because he was disgusted himself at some of the no posters, you know. Yes. And at the time, I was trying to explain to him, but that's people are entitled to a different point of view, mm. and that not everybody would share the same opinion, and that that's okay. And I was trying to teach him, you know, about tolerance, really. Yes. You, you can have one opinion, and somebody else can have another opinion. Once you don't shut each other down and at least listen to somebody else's point of view. Um, so, and, and, and yeah, that's I... it. And now he's 17, and, you know, yeah. we're, I'm his father. It's very responsible, but, you know, we, we have great uh, relationship. We have great yes. laughs. the exact same relationship mm. with his mother. She's wonderful. Um, but, you know, he can talk to me openly and freely now if he, if he has any questions. But yes. He knows I'll answer him. And he's got gay friends that, that go to his yeah. school. And, yeah. you know, he's very, very, you know, happy and, mm. and uh, balanced. And, you know, he's had the traditional upbringing and that he's had his mum and his dad. But at the other end of that, I think it's a wonderful today that there are gay men and uh, members of the LGBTIQ community who can have children through surrogacy or who can choose to adopt children and 
and uh, that's only right and fair if you're yes. living in a society. And, and, and just come back to the to the time when you did tell you you told his mum first. Did you wait a little while before you introduced it to you know her family and your own family? Was there much of a gap there? Did, did you just say, look, no, I, I've told you, I'm going to move on this now? There wasn't really a gap yeah. at all, and I suppose I just felt immense relief that night. And yes, I can I imagine. Knew that my son's mother would would tell her parents, and I, yeah. I wasn't telling her not to. Yeah. Because you, you can't tell people, you can't uh, disclose something personal. And, and for some people, that could be a bombshell. And, and you have to respect their feelings too. And I was always sort of very savvy in that way. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I always, I, I, I have good empathy and I was always able to put myself into other people's shoes. Yeah. And, and way back then. And, and, I, and that's probably what led me into social care, in fact. But yes. I knew that she was going to tell her parents. And I was a little bit nervous about meeting them. But. Mm. Um, they were just so wonderful. Yeah, and, and like wonderful. How, how how that must have felt for you to hear those words you mentioned earlier on there of acceptance and 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 no issues at all. The relief thing. I, I'm just thinking about you know when you take today a, a massive star like Philip Schofield and this breaks and how he's feeling. That feeling. Come back to that again. That feeling when you did uh, reveal that you were gay. Yeah, well, it just feels like a big weight has been lifted off. And I really have to admire Philip and, and his wife, Stephanie, and their children because he told them two years ago and they chose to keep that private so that as a family, they could deal with it as a private family matter. So it wasn't like he came out and then all of a sudden mm. it was all over the media and then he had to deal with that. He, they've been able to work through the confusion, maybe the upset, because in his in his case, it, it's, there's a parallel, but it's very different. His children are 26 to 27. My son was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very, very different. Mm-hmm. His children had to come to terms with their father telling them at 27 years of age, I'm gay, which does sort of lead to eventually the breakup of his marriage. And I'm sure when he's ready, he will meet a partner and hopefully he'll be in a good relationship and in a good headspace. But it's very, very different for him because I battled that maybe for six years, you know, from 18 to whatever age, 26. But he's, 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 he's been battling that probably from the age of 17 or 18 up until the age he is now, which is probably 52 or 3. I'm not sure what age he is. Yeah. But also within that time, he has been in a long-term marriage. He's been married to a woman. He's had his family. By all accounts, he seems to be a very, very good father and a good husband. And but I didn't even realise that the story had broke, actually, um, until the lovely Louise uh, got in touch with me this morning. But um, I had a quick, quick look at, uh, the, the, at some of the BBC headlines. So from what I've read, you know, he, that, that, that they took their time. They had a couple of years to work out the confusion. But in initially telling them, for him, that must have been even a much more heavy burden to carry. Yes. Yes. Um, and his wife may have uh, had an idea. She may have known over the years, but wanting to save her marriage and probably as well wanted to believe that it wasn't the case. And they probably had great companionship more than anything else. I don't know. I can only speculate. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and again, Mike, just before we finish, what year was that you, you're talking about when you, when you told uh, herself and your families? 2004. My, Mike, what a different Ireland it was then. Very, very different. Because even back then, even though I wasn't out of the closet, you know, I could be crossing the streets sometimes and uh, somebody might pull down the car window and shout a homophobic slur. You know, and look, 
Jerry, we've come so far, but I'm still reading in Ireland, in Dublin, in parts of the country where people are being attacked and beaten. Um, and recently somebody was stabbed, you know, um, because of being gay. So that there's a pocket of society that still holds those very, very negative views. Um, but on the whole, I think that uh, each generation is becoming much more enlightened, much more understanding, compassionate, caring, and understanding that, you know, people are people. Um, everybody just do their best to live their life. Um, and I'm sure a lot of gay men and gay women today still don't feel comfortable walking down the street holding their partner's hand. Mm. You know, I'm... because because there still is that, that, that sort of negative stereotype to a degree. Yes. But, but, but it is getting better. We are moving in the right direction. I was very sad that the UK has decided to, to, to leave the EU. I hope that a future generation opts back in because in the wake of that, we have seen that, that there has been, I suppose, uh, racism. You yes, know, across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across I, the board. Yeah. Uh, that the only other point on that is that, I suppose, the referendum result had to be respected you know, because of the fact that they voted to leave. That's the only thing I admire about the whole thing. Yeah. Other than that, I hope to God that they come back soon, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there's a yeah. lot of people who would echo those feelings. Mm. Look, mm. Mike, I have to leave it there for today. I really do appreciate yeah. you taking our call no uh, and uh, again to throw some light on Philip Schofield's situation yeah. today. But you know what, even, I've known this from I ever met you, <laughs> the yeah. Peria uh, <laughs> funky fashion frolics. You are great, great people and today just underlines that even more. And so are you, Jerry. Thank you, Mike. Gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you for taking our call. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mike McCarthy there. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Sometimes there are interviews and calls you make that just will stay with you for a long time. That one will with me. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.